right. Who are you people? I've been used to, I've been used to preaching to red lights back there. This is uh, this is unusual. Hey, we're so glad uh, that you're here. Let's start with the two things that Satan hates most. Let's pray. Let's read God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now asking for divine guidance, wisdom, and peace. Peace that people desperately need in salvation through Jesus Christ. Peace with you. Peace in our cities, peace in our counties, peace in our country and in our world. But Lord, we know that the only true peace comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray, I don't know who's here today, I don't know who's watching. But I pray for somebody that's thinking bad thoughts about suicide to find healing today. Those who are thinking about walking out of a marriage, they'd rethink that today. People who are dealing with serious anxiety would find peace today. Lord, we call on an all-holy God who is able to bring us that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we want to we welcome everybody that's watching. I'm sorry, but i got to talk to them too. So we want to welcome everybody that's wa- watching online. Deland, Palm Bay, we're so glad you're back in the building. That is fantastic. Um, everybody watching, thank you for all the notes that I've gotten from around the country around the world. Thank you. We're thrilled that you're there and you are every bit as much a part of this church and we're going to work harder to keep you connected and to help you be a part of the whole Tomoka Christian Church experience. So we're, we're grateful that you're there. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, of course, most of us, I think, in the room grew up without technology. I mean, we had a phone on the wall, but there were certainly no uh, cell phones. There were no ga- Well, we had one game when I was a kid. It was called Pong. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Uh, that, that was it. But we had fun outside. We had things like dirt. Yeah? Are you with me? Uh, we had sleds we used to go down hills on. And we had old tires. An old tire could be a lot of fun. Anybody ever been in a, in a tire and rolled down a hill? Right? Huh? Well, I know if you grew up, if you grew up in Florida, and sleds and... Yeah, okay. All right, for those of you that haven't been around for a while, this is called a joke, all right? Because I practiced this and several people didn't understand it. So let's just, now that you're, you're loose, you ready? You remember when you used to go down those hills in the tires? Those were good years. Yeah, you miss me now, don't you? Yeah. It's not, it's the, if you can't boo me collectively, it doesn't feel as good, does it, when you're sitting at home? Yeah. You know, when Einstein finally finished his uh, theory of relativity, most brilliant thing ever put together, you know what his friend said? It's about time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Somebody said last night, get back to the things Satan hates. Okay, all right, back, back to the Word of God. Back to the Word of God. Here's, here's what we're going to talk about, using what you have. All my life I've listened to Christians tell me why they can't do something. I've listened to churches tell me why they can't do something. And it usually goes something like this. Well, we can't feed 5,000 people. Okay, can you feed 50? Can you feed 5? But we use that as an excuse to do nothing. 
And guess what? If you don't do anything, God can't bless you at all. God does not expect you to give what you don't have. He expects you to give and use what you do have. Does that make sense? Well, if I had the Kardashians' money, newsflash, you don't. You don't. So it's real easy to say, well, if I had the Kardashians' money, man, I would give. Okay, what are you going to do with what you've got? Because you don't have the Kardashians' money. Are you going to spend your whole life saying, if I had? Or do you say, this is what I have, so I will be faithful to God in my giving of this, of my serving with this. I have this, I can give that. Because God never expects anything from anyone beyond what we have. But he does expect you to use what you do have. There's all kinds of examples. We can look at the, the parable of the talents, the guy that was given five and two and one. If you don't know that, then you can look that one up. But God expects you to use what you have. Does that make sense to everybody? You can't, you, you're not responsible to use what I have. I'm not responsible to use what you have. God gave us different gifts, different talents, different salaries, different abilities. He gave us all of that so that together, collectively, the body of Christ would be successful. So we're going through this series in the prophets. We're looking at the prophet Elisha. And Elisha does twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Remember, he got the, the double blessing of God. Well, Elisha ran a prophet training school. Now, don't let that bother you. It was a Bible college, all right? 2,600 years ago, Elisha ran a Bible college to train men to go out and share the Word of God, to go out to the synagogues and teach people the truth about God's Word. His Bible college was located in Jericho, which is now in the West Bank. Go with me in October. I'll take you to the spot where Elisha had his Bible school. All right? Home Bible studies 2,600 years ago. Not a whole lot has changed. He would train them and then he would send them out to other parts of the country and the world to teach the Word of God. Pretty similar to what we're still doing today. The same very principles. During that time, one of the guys he had trained died. And that's what this story is about. It's about that man's wife. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we shall tackle 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. He loved the Lord. What's up? But now his creditor, the creditor's coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have? Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you, you and your sons, pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled... Put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. You can be seated. Now, you don't get to play with the text here. 
All right? This is not about you becoming wealthy. This is not about you trusting God for a new Rolls Royce, the kind of foolishness that goes on in a whole lot of churches today. Well, you just need to trust God and he will pour out a mansion for you. That is baloney. All right? What's this story about? Well, there's some pieces of it that I've got to fill in for you. All right? This is not the American culture. All right? You can't pay your bills. You go chapter 9. You go chapter 11. They restructure your debts. They forgive debts. No, no, no. This is how it worked then. The boys go to jail. So they go to jail for what? Two years, six months, three years. And then they, then, then they get out, right? And it's all forgiven. No, no, no. The boys stay in jail until the debt is paid. Well, doesn't that seem counterproductive? If the boys were out, they could be making money. Uh Uh-uh. The boys stay in jail till you pay the debt. Guess what? The wife has got two choices. Begging, which is not going to get very far, or prostitution. That's what's going on in this story. That's what this lady is facing. Her two, and they're obviously not grown boys or they would get a job. So she's got two little boys. They're going to go to some debtor's prison, which is horrible and horrific. And she's going to be forced into prostitution just to be able to survive and try to pay off the debts. Now, I want to look through this text for just a minute. I hope you brought your Bibles electronically, paper, whatever. Elisha could have done something here. You know what he could have done? He could have paid her bills. Elisha's got money. He could have paid her bills. You know what else he could have done? He could have started to go fund me. Don't you think if they would have talked to the other prophets in the area that were friends with this guy, that they would have come? I mean, how much debt could he truly have had? But she wouldn't have learned anything. She wouldn't have learned to trust God. She comes to the leader because she trusts Elisha will tell her what God wants her to do. And Elisha says the strangest thing. Well, go collect a bunch of pots. Don't you think she was thinking maybe Elisha will write me a check? I can almost guarantee it. That was her hope. She was hoping that somehow Elisha would bail her out. And Elisha said, go get a bunch of pots. Go collect a bunch of pots. Listen, I've been a collector all my life, and I'm guessing most of you, most of you have some weird thing that you collect. I've collected coins, stamps, cans, cards, memorabilia. Ever so often I clear it all out, sell it, start over, um, but I've never collected jars. That's never been my thing. There, there are lots of people that do. Here's, a, here's sort of what they look like. 2,600 years ago in Jericho, we've got all kinds of examples of pottery. It's, it's all over the place. It's just a matter of putting it in the right area so we know what time frame. So this, this is something of what they might have looked like. And Elisha says, go get them and don't just get a few. Now, it's not New York City, but it's also not Corona. It's, it's a decent-sized town. And he says, go get jars and don't just get a few. Okay. He doesn't tell her anything. I mean, she may have an idea of what he's up to, but listen, this has never happened before and it's never happened afterwards. So there's no, there's no thought in her mind. Oh, this is how God's going to do it. No, just go collect the jars. In Mark chapter five, Jesus said, only believe and do not be afraid. 
So what is the opposite of belief? Come on. What's the opposite of belief? Fear. 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 All right? Say, now, when I say belief, that's not to check off a box and say, yes, I'm academically in on this. I think there's probably a higher power. There's got to be. No. Belief is an understanding that God stepped into time in the man of Jesus. He died for your sins. That's where your hope comes from. And that you've accepted him and you've repented and you've been baptized and you are committed to him. That's where hope comes from. Not from saying some abstract thought that, yes, I believe there's a God out there. Jesus said, believe and fear will have nowhere to go. So if you don't know Jesus yet, you're watching online. Listen. You need to accept Jesus. You're sitting here, Palm Bay, Deland. Doesn't matter where you're at. If you have not accepted Jesus, that's how you overcome fear. Is by believing. Believing is an action. It is not a statement. It is an action of how I'm going to change, how I'm going to live, how I'm going to think. It is about a transformation that takes place because you're now obeying Jesus as Lord. Philippians chapter 2 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's amazing to me how many people will quote the Bible, quote obscure verses, but nobody wants to talk about Jesus because Jesus scares people to death. Because either he's the answer or he's your worst nightmare. One or the other. And Jesus said, I came to divide. You're going you're gonna to either be with me or against me. I pray today that you choose to be with him. But then he told her something strange. Go inside with your sons and close the door. Why? God doesn't want to be seen in public? God doesn't want everybody to see this? Sometimes the best work God does is when it's you and him. Now, we need corporate worship. Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not forsake the gathering together. All right? We know the power in that. Praying together, singing together. We need that. But nothing will take the place of your time and my time with God alone. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, go into your closet and what? Close the door. And what you do in secret, your father will see in secret. He said, don't be like the hypocrites and pray long prayers out on the streets to be seen by men. But go into your closet and when you and God do business together, that's when God operates. I just think that's fascinating. So he says, go in and shut the door. Now it's a miracle that's going to happen just between her, the two boys. Elisha's not even there. He knows what's going on, but Elijah's not even there. Because whatever God's doing, it's, it's there. This, we get to be a part of the story. But then at some point, she has to choose. She has to choose to do something very interesting. So she's got whatever she's got. We'll, we'll give her a jug, okay? We'll give her a little jug. She's got two ounces of oil left. What's she going to do with it? She had to pour, didn't she? At some point, if she says, okay, I got all these things right here. I got all these vessels. I got the door closed. Okay, God, what do you got? 
No, God says, no, what do you have? What did she have? A little bit of olive oil. At some point, she had to start pouring. That's your job. That's my job. Now, again, I don't know that God's ever needed this particular miracle again. But I know this. By faith, if you don't choose to start pouring, the jugs would have never gotten full. Man, wouldn't you have liked to have been inside that room? Hopefully we'll get to see that when we get to eternity. I mean, I can only imagine the excitement as she starts pouring and the two ounces is 20 and 20 more. And it's a gallon over here. And she just keeps pouring. And the boys are like, holy cow. And they've got to be crying and the excitement. And she says, more, more, until the son says, there's no more vessels, mom. And the oil stopped. So as far as she was willing to trust God, everything she had, when she chose to act by faith. See, this is where the church stops. Oh, yes, I trust God. Just not with my time, my money, my abilities. In fact, that the song that we sang here on the Ormond campus, I Surrender All. I don't know if you sang that on the other campuses. When I can't, when I, every time I hear that song, this is what I hear. I surrender some. Because I'm not sure we've, we've figured that out yet. But until you're ready to pour it out, you're never going to see what God has planned. And maybe the closest example I can give you to where we're at right now is in Hebrews 11, where it's, it's the faith chapter. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. Uh, by faith, Moses fulfilled the Passover. Now, if you don't know the story, you can go back in Exodus, but it's about the blood over the door. The firstborn of Egypt are all going to die. By faith, he fulfilled the Passover. What is significant about that? There has never been an event like this ever before. There's never been an event like this since. God said, put the blood over the door, and when I come, the death angel will pass over the home that has the blood over the door. You and I are by faith now believing that when we accept the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross, when we accept Jesus, that that blood protects us from all evil, both now and for all of eternity. Are, am I right? See the, see, the point of Hebrews 11 is not for you and me to go, Wow, Abraham. Wow, Jacob. Wow, Noah. In fact, if you go back and read their, their stories, they were all skunks just like us. I could just, we could do a whole series on what was wrong with Abraham. What was wrong with Jacob. Man, it's horrible stories. But what are they commended for? When you get to he, it, the end of Hebrews 11, all of these people were commended for their faith. Which was always in action was always an action. And it's not there to go, man, that Moses, what a guy. No, it's there to say, what a God. And if God pulled that off for Moses and Abraham and Jacob, he'll do the same for me. That's what the blood of Jesus is all about. Did you bring the grain of sand? Reach into your pocket. This is Florida. This shouldn't be hard. I've got my grain of sand. You can't tell whether I do or not. Uh, but here, I'll give you a molecular look at a grain of sand. 
All right. Now, let's go on a little journey. If you've, been, if you've been following this series, we've been having some fun with this. In Genesis 22, God said, I'm going to make Israel more numerous than the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. Well, during, when that statement was made, they could count several hundred stars. That's all they were able to see. And then in the 1600s, they invented the telescopes and they found out there were thousands by 1989, and not until 1989, we found out there are trillions upon trillions upon trillions of stars. And the astronomers came out and said, we now know that there are as many stars in the universe as there are grains of sand on every seashore all over the world. And they're massive stars. All right, That's pretty impressive, right? And then in Psalm 147, God said, I call all of those stars by their name. You think he knows our name? Think he cares for us? Okay, but now, now I'm going to mess you up. So, in a grain of sand, under the kind of microscope technology we have now, in every grain of sand, there are 43 quintillion atoms. There are three times as many atoms in a grain of sand as there are stars in the universe. In every grain of sand. Man, evolution is good. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Now these same evolutionists always like this. Big story this week, all right? Guys with beards, you'll like this. Evolutionists came out and said that we now know why men grew beards. Why, no, no, no. Why beards evolved. So men could take a punch. Guys that have beards, have you ever been punched? Tell me how much it helps. This stuff gets passed off as science. I'm like, are you seriously kidding me here? My God is such a designer that you and I can't even figure out a grain of sand. That's how awesome our God is. Three times as many atoms in a grain of sand as there are stars in all of the universe. If that doesn't mess you up, well, here's what, here's what Paul said about it. He didn't have an electron microscope. He said, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Even a grain of sand ought to help you find Jesus. It's that simple. Well, I read an obituary about a guy named Randall Jacobs this week. And I, don't have, I have no earthly idea why this story went viral because it reads like a million other obituaries that I've read. Uh, but I, I've got it, just in case you're wondering. There's the actual obituary. And, oh, he was just the greatest man. Uh, he was the life of the party. This was the guy you wanted as a friend. Um, a night out with Randall could result in a court summons, a world-class hangover. Uh, his fans, fan, family and friends would all drop over to be a part of the craziness that always went on. In lieu of flowers, pay someone's bar tab or smoke a bowl in his honor. 
And then I wrote under it, and now he's in hell. His obituary got 116,000 likes and 17,000 shares. I ask you this. 116,000 likes and 17,000 shares. What are those doing for him now? See, if you don't have the hope of Jesus, you don't have anything. And God said, listen, if you'll just get out there and use what you have, trust me. She didn't have anything but a little oil. And maybe that oil is just a little bit of faith you have. Start there. Trust the grain of sand. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Did he rise from the dead? Yes, he did. That's the hope that we have. And listen to me. It is the only hope that this world has for any of the problems that are going on. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray for those who need to accept you, those who need prayer, those who need help, those who need to trust. They need to start using what they have. The influence they have, the abilities they have, the money they have. Because I can't do, I can't give what I don't have. So I'll either make excuses or I will use what I have. So God, move amongst your people and move through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.